Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. Today, I'm pumped to bring uh, a guest back on the show. It's been far too long. My buddy Kyle Roof is going to talk to us about EEAT and a few other things. You probably know Kyle because you've seen him around at a SEO conference or something like that. And he has uh, several SEO and online businesses from Page Optimizer Pro, which is an on-page SEO tool to training over at Internet Marketing Gold or his work over at High Voltage SEO, his agency. He's been a speaker many times an attendee of these SEO conferences and other online marketing conferences around the world, and he's dedicated nearly a decade of his life to SEO testing. He's published the results of more than 400 scientific tests that he's conducted. So he he really got obsessed at some point in time, and I think we we spent a lot of time on that on the uh, the other interview, which we'll link up to. But today we are going to focus on a couple different areas. Before we get into it, we'll hear a little bit about Kyle's background straight from him. So Kyle, how's it going today? I'm doing great. <laughs> doing really good. How are you, man? Doing good, and it's one of those where we're uh, across the world, so it's early morning for me, kind of late night for you. So appreciate you carving out the time. Now, yeah, what's your story? How'd you get involved in SEO? And you could do the truncated version, of course. Uh, the super short version is I was a lawyer. I was a trial attorney. I hated it <laughs> with a passion. So I did what everybody does when they hate their job. And I went to South Korea and taught English. <laughs> it's an A to B move. And then... um uh, while there, I started a company and that company needed a website and I started the website and then I had this really good group of devs and I thought maybe I could just general contract websites. And that's what I did. And then a lot of twists and turns later, um, I got into the marketing of the websites as kind of like as a bolt on to the development of the websites and realized that it's a lot better to be on the marketing side as I think building a website is a rat's nest. <laughs> right. uh, I almost started to hate it as much as I hated law. And then... Um, and the, the SEO part is actually pretty good at. And uh, and now we're here today. What year did you shift to the SEO portion where you, you realized, hey, this is my thing? It was a quick shift. I think I started, um, it was right around the beginning of 2012, I feel like, 2011, 2012, when I was doing the, the websites. And then mid to end of 2012 is when I started really focusing primarily on on the, uh, on the SEO side of things. Got it. Okay. So we'll link up to the other interview where we talk about some more about your background and, and you have a lot of, uh, content online. So if people want to stalk you, <laughs> they could go. Some, some might say too much, Doug. Yeah. Some <laughs> might say too <laughs> there's a, there's plenty out there. Okay. So before we get into the EAT stuff, there's a couple topics that, that I want to cover. So you have done a bunch of tests over the years and you still actively run tests. So you have a couple recent ones that were kind of surprising. In fact, when you, you told me about them, I thought these were things that we were arguing about a decade ago and it was sort of inconclusive. So what are these recent tests? I uh, did a couple fun ones and, and we run all these through uh, IMG, by the way. And so that's where the write-ups are and all that. But um, the first one was with uh, no follow links. Um, and I did this test in conjunction with a guy named uh, Chris Pentelli. And he is from Linkify, is his company. But a lot of what he does is our um, Haro, uh, Haro links. So 
help a reporter out. And a lot of those are on great publications, but they're no follows. And so I think the impetus for the test for him was that a lot of people giving blowback on that, that like, well, I mean, yeah, it's on a nice publication, but it's a no follow link. Is it worth anything? And years and years and years and years ago, I tested with no follow links and they, and they totally passed juice and it was fine. Um, what was interesting kind of, as you look at the history of no follow, of course, the talking heads all, always say that it, it doesn't pass any juice. And um, I think that's based on Google kind of saying that, which is always a reliable source. Um, but then in like 2020, I think Google changed their, um, their stance a little bit. And they said that a no following could be a hint. And then they just kind of left whatever hint might be. And I think people just ran with that. <laughs> but, um, what I think uh, they, what they implied was that it could be used for indexing purposes. Essentially that um, pages might index if they are getting linked to from it from a no follow source. But the biggest thing that I've always thought about is no follow has nothing to do with the website that you're sending to it. It has to do with the website that you're on. It's protecting the webmaster saying that I don't really know where this is going. I don't take credit or responsibility for this link. I think it could be helpful, but I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm vouching for that site is essentially what, what the no follows. But it's protection for the site it has nothing really to do with the site that it's going to. And also Google is free to do whatever Google wants. So I had been testing this in the last little bit and with test sites, so test sites that are not getting any traffic or anything like that. And, and the nofollow links really weren't doing too much, but nothing at all. Then with Chris, what we did was we ran a test with um, a, a no, uh, putting a nofollow link on a page that was getting pretty healthy traffic. This page was getting about 1,000 uh, visitors a month, not all organic, but in, in total, about 1,000 visitors a month, and just it instantly passed juice, absolutely instantly moved the needle. And so what I'm advising people is on the no follow side of things that they're definitely passing juice, but I think you want to make sure it's coming from a healthy page, a page that Google is crawling and, and working with and, and is happy with. And uh, I think then like, so for example, those Haro links on, on really good publications, I think are a good thing to do. So when you say it, it moved the needle right away, can you sh share, do you happen to remember any of the specific oh. results to give so people? We have, we have a set of test pages yeah, we had a set of test pages and we fired at the number three ranking for a term and it moved right to number one within 24 hours. Oh, okay. Which is pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> rather, rather quick. And it's only 24 hours because I think I went to sleep. It was probably well before that. <laughs> wow. It was That's almost as amazing. Just right after Google. Crawled. So we have the, the cache data on when Google, when Google crawled the page and within 24 hours, it had moved the test page up awesome. to number one. Yeah, and that makes sense for Chris to have, you know, the vested interest to help run such a test. Um, I interviewed him a few weeks ago and got a couple oh, did you? <laughs> really awesome links from Linkify. Yeah. Cool. So what's the other oh, test? That's great. The other test was um, the one that, uh, um, you know, they always say that um, Google ads don't do anything for your SEO, right? Um, often though, when people say they'll hedge their the statement by saying, well, it could raise your brand awareness. And if more people are searching for your brand, that could help your SEO. I'm like, all right, whatever. So um, I, <laughs> I, I do, uh, I, I subscribe to, to Avalanche Theory. I, I teach it a lot. And um, actually, I teach it in conjunction with KGR, by the way. Oh, thank you. And, um, <laughs> and I give you credit every time. <laughs> the... Uh, um, the uh, the thing that we had was so we've got these pages that aren't doing anything. I, I would call them stuck. They're not ranking for their target keyword. They're not getting clicks. They're not getting impressions. They're just there and they're not really doing anything. And I thought it'd be fun. We've got 10 of these that are just zeros across the board. Why don't we run ads to them? 
So what we did is we ran uh, one ad for one page and it was a $20 a day budget and we ran it for two weeks. And almost instantly on day one, <laughs> after putting that up, all the pages took off. And not just took off, not just like, okay, they're ranking for one term. Now they're ranking for like 50 terms, you know, 25 terms, 75 terms, and getting all kinds of impressions within that first week. And uh, for the second week, it didn't improve anything, but it also didn't really drop. There was like a slight drop in maybe ranking keywords and, and impressions, but maintained. The thing we can say for sure, probably, I think we can say very confidently, is that this is going to help with indexing. Essentially, Google will find these pages this way. But I have never seen a page index and then blow up like that within one day. You know, where it's like not just found, but like within one day. And, and the charts that we have from Search Console are just this like straight line up on impressions that you're getting because they're instantly ranking for all these keywords that, that are around the, the topic for the page. Absolutely incredible. And the thing that, that always gets me, like when you, if you're a search right now, if I run Google ads without help my SEO, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get a lot of no's, a lot of no's. You know, all the major publications of no, like definitely false, you know, not true kind of like, you know, ometers on all their pages and never once on any of those things do they say like, well, we tried it, you know, it's the easiest test you could try. You could do it, you know, and we could maybe find out like maybe won't work in certain situations. Then we know not to do it in those situations. If you find like a, some no's, but never once in any of those things, you ever see somebody's like, well, I gave it a go and this is what I found. And I found it not to be true. It's always just like, that feels wrong. It feels like this. Google said that. And that's it. It's always just this like feely kind of stuff, but nobody's actually ever, I feel like doing SEO and just showing what they're doing. Right. Now a couple, uh, we're going to spend some time on that topic too. Cause I'm, I'm one of those talking heads, right? So like, I'll, I'll accept some of the, <laughs> I'm coming uh, at you. I'm coming yeah, after yeah. you. So with this specific test, what happened when you stopped running the ads? They're still going. They're still alive. Okay. They're still up. Yeah. Okay. So that that would be the other thing that would be interesting. Like, hey, can you turn it on? The one they just, or, just turn them off and they tank. Yeah. Or do you get some like lasting benefit and maybe it, I don't know, there's momentum. I wouldn't, or you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more like a link echo, you know, where you've got the benefit from the link for another six to eight months or something like that. I could totally see that. Okay, cool. And uh, one quick clarification, IMG is internet marketing gold. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, these kind of tests, those, those are published in inside like the forum area of Internet Marketing Gold, right? That's right. The The majority of the thing is just courses to learn SEO, but then part of what we do is also run tests on the algorithm. Okay. So courses, community, and there's a forum. All right. Perfect. That's right. great. And yes, it's very interesting with, uh, like you mentioned, if people search for something, they'll find a bunch of information about SEO questions and answers, but almost no one has actually tried it. So what do you think is going on there? Is it just laziness where people are regurgitating the same stuff based on keywords or something or just? Well, I I know you've run tests and case studies and stuff like that. Um, They're not fun. (laughs) Like it, it, it takes a lot of work. It's, it's, they're really not the easiest thing to do. And so to sit down and actually do it is, is one thing that I think that's a big barrier to entry. Another barrier to entry though, is, um, I think a lack of creativity, uh, where it's hard to actually figure out how to test something sometimes where, 
uh, I saw this technique and I'd like to try it, but you really need to try to boil it down to as few things as possible to really see if you're testing something or, or if you can say like something is or is not. And um, I think creativity is also a bar to entry in, in figuring out how you can actually put something together that would then demonstrate whether something, you know, is or is not true. And it's important from a scientific testing standpoint to test the inverse, right? To test the negative test to make sure that it's actually correct, right? That's one of the biggest things. That, that actually fast tracks um, certainty. You know, if you test it one way, you could test something five times. And if you got five results, the probability on that is like that it's not true is, is, is you're at like 94% probability. 95% is statistical uh, significance in science. So five times in a row would do it. But for our purposes, I think the inverse does the same thing even better. So that if you see a positive and then you run the test in the inverse and then you get the negative, I think that shows you that that is a thing. And it's to the point, like running tests, like you talk about, almost no one will do it. And if you just have like an N of one where you have like a case study that you did once, that's good enough where you could probably like guest post or share your story on podcast or whatever, because there's so few instances where someone shares the results. Oh, big time. I mean, that, that launches you. I think you just need one decent one and, and to show something that you figured out. And yeah, you've got talking points for a year and a half, two years. I'm still making money off of rhinoplasty plano. That was <laughs> it's crazy. I've got lorem I've got lorem ipsum on my arm. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's real. I didn't I didn't know you had that tattoo. That's cool though. Yeah, we were we we're showing <laughs> tattoos uh, before. We can't show them all, everybody. But uh, yeah, find Kyle at a conference. We were, sometime. we're both shirtless though. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> okay, Th- this is great. Let's uh, let's shift into EEAT for the uninitiated. Can you just explain sort of the broad points of EEAT, and then we'll get into some details. Yeah. So experience, expertise, authoritativeness, trustworthiness is what we're talking about. Really, the, the central question is, should this website be in the index in the first place? I think is really what those things boil down to. Um, Google has a vested interest in, in making sure that there are reputable sites in its index. And I have a feeling while things started with YMYL, your money or your life, like financial sites and health sites, I think it's pretty much expanded to just about every other site. And it's based on um, probably a traffic bar. You know, once your site is getting a certain amount of traffic, Google will probably check it to see if it's worthwhile. And this makes a lot of sense. Like if somebody buys something from you or they follow your advice and they're harmed, you know, they need to be able to figure out who you are so they can get their money back. They can get a refund. They can uh, uh, get a new product, a replacement or something else, or in very bad situations, they can figure out who they need to sue. Um, But if that person is hiding themselves on the web, then uh, what's the consumer to do in those situations. And I can see why Google would say like, well, we really don't want those types of people on the internet, or at least in our, uh, in our index, we want companies that are, will take ownership. You know, they'll take ownership like this. Is, we are responsible for this website and we are responsible for this content that is on the site. And so that's what I think all that kind of boils down to and eat is, are you a real thing that people can find? And if they have problems with advice you gave or a product that you sold, that they can come back and, and have a word, you know, and, and figure out where you are. And so that's kind of the, the crux of it. A lot of people will say that Google's going after affiliate sites. And I think that's only true because affiliate sites like to hide who they are. And that goes, is problematic. 
just from a standpoint of what I think Google is trying to do to protect the consumer. And so the idea is you want to make yourself as real as possible. Make sure that you're an entity that can be discovered. And the more you do of that, the more eat signals I think you're giving and the, the less chance you have of getting hit by an eat update or an eat check. You mentioned something about people actually reviewing the website. So there's a there's a long document, uh, the reviewer guidelines, which uh, is kind of the backbone of what we're talking about. So people could go find that, read the whole thing and see what we're talking about a little bit more detailed. But you also mentioned you thought it's like a traffic threshold. Is that confirmed anywhere? Is that uh, you know a pretty widely held theory? The place that I've seen a lot of this talked about is from FatRank, if you're familiar with them. It's uh, James Dooley and his team. And what they identified, so to clarify, they're in all the naughty niches. They're in all the YMYLs. Like, they're in all the things that actually Eat is probably trying to, to go after. And across their 600-plus websites, what they started to identify was um, in referrer traffic, there's a thing called Raider Hub. And what they found is that sites that got hit had Raider Hub visit their site out of the blue about two weeks to four weeks before. And so what they've identified or what their belief is, is that if you see Raider Hub in Google, Google Analytics in your referral traffic, there's a decent chance that Google has has come and take a, taken a look. Um, now, the, I don't think an actual human would be coming to take a look. I think that's the bot. What the, the Raider guidelines and the human part is, is kind of a, a backwards check. Did we do this right? You know, okay, check out the SERP, look at these results. Are these results actually matching what we're trying to do? So in these situations, I don't think a human is coming, a bot is coming. And so you need to, as you're putting out these signals that kind of match up with those guidelines, it needs to be not clear to a human, but clear to a bot what these things are. So it has to be really, really obvious that a bot can find those signals to see that you are a real thing. Okay. Which we'll, we'll come back around to in, in a couple minutes. Um, okay. So how, how long has Google been doing eat sort of, uh, emphasizing eat? When was the first medic update? Was that like 2019, 20, Has it been that long? Yeah. I was going to say it all blurs together. <laughs> I think we had that, we had something in the middle, something happened in 2020 and it kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so messed I, I, I feel like, I feel like it was 2018. 2019, okay. somewhere in there, pre-COVID. Right. That sounds right. And yeah, pre-COVID, that's what we can talk about uh, specifically. <laughs> now, they added experience in the last, I think, in the last year. Yeah, the, the most recent one, that's right, this year. What's, what is that about? So um, expertise is like your degrees and experience is your time is kind of is how they define it. Now, the tricky part to both of those is Google is also not in the value judgment game. You know, like uh, they don't, and, and everybody knows this, as soon as they've launched something and they're like, hey, when I search for my keyword, you know, there are two sites on, on page one and, and they don't even sell it. Like they don't even, they don't even, they don't have the product. And they'd be like, my article is objectively better than that article. Google's not making a value judgment that, oh yeah, I, I read this and I'm, I'm a better algorithm for having read this, you know, like it's not saying like this is better than that. So experience and expertise are, are tricky ones in terms of what a bot is going to look at because a bot isn't going to make a value judgment. You know, what, what's, what's better 
a degree from Harvard or, or a degree from Stanford. I don't know. Well, you know, or Cambridge, you know, or what's, or what's better. Somebody has got 25 years in the field, you know, but no degrees and, and they have a, a high school GED. Who knows what's better? And, that, and they don't want to make that, that judgment call. But what I think both of those things come down to is, is a real person writing this, is a real person saying these things. And so what I would focus on to cover those things, especially with experience uh, as the new one, um, uh, can you demonstrate that a human wrote this stuff? So as many of those signals as you can get out, I think, are, are, are important. Okay. So is Google using eat as a like direct ranking factor or is it just uh, kind of on the back end to verify it's on the back end I, i've had a few people say like hey i did all that eat stuff you talked about and my ranking didn't go up it's, it's not gonna none of those are, are factors necessarily that are, that are going to move your rank up it's it's you're going to keep rank that you've established uh um once google does come and do that check that, that's what is happening there so it's uh to maintain your on, a, on the back end or in, on a weird way it could be a, a ranking factor because somebody else dropped and you went up because they didn't have it and got tagged. You know, it's kind of the, you could look at it that way if you'd like, but it's not going to be a direct, um, I did this and my ranking went up sort of a situation. Got it. So it'll be a potentially a secondary factor through yeah. hurting a, an opponent or something. Okay. And the other thing too, though, is like if somebody's thinking like, nah, this is nonsense. Fine. <laughs> That's it's your website, and to be perfectly honest, I don't really worry about anybody else's website. But um, all of these things to take care of are like a half day's worth of work, you know. And if your risk tolerance is anywhere like you might want to avoid any kind of risk, it's a half day's worth of work. And on top of that, all these things are trust signals that somebody's going to want. If, if you're trying to sell something on your site, you probably want a lot of these signals on there. So somebody says like, "I will give you my credit card now," in order to, to you know to make the sale. So I think at a minimum, it's going to help you with those types of situations at, at, at a minimum to do. And, and they're not expensive. They're not hard to do. You know, and they're things you probably should be doing anyway. Um, All right. you, know, you should be a business. If you're taking money, you probably should be a business. So perfect segue. Let's get into the nuts and bolts and some actionable things. So what should people be doing? And like you said, each one is you know, maybe like half a day. It's fairly straightforward. So let's get into it. Yeah. So... I think you could think about it like if, if you were an actual like brick and mortar business, what would you be able to do? And you know, the joke that we have, I have with some of my friends is real companies don't have eat issues, really. I mean, if they're a real company, they, they have no problem putting their address on the page. <laughs> they have no problem with multiple emails going to different departments. They have no problem putting a local phone number on there. Those are kind of some signals. These are things that you know that you should have on, on your site. You know, you should have, you know, uh, about the company page that talks about the history of the organization. You have a page with organization schema. You should have a page uh, about the humans that work at this company, you know, about the team. You should have author bio pages on the people that are writing this kind of stuff. Those are all really straightforward and simple. And I think if you hit all of those, I think you really take care of a lot of your eat issues right there. On the website side of things, is this a real website? Do you have a privacy policy page? Do you have a refunds page? Do you have a complaints page? Do you have a contact us for this issue page? You know, do you have terms of service? Uh, do you have a current copyright? <laughs> like, I mean, and the other thing too, it's not just one thing like, hey, I had a current copyright and I got hit. It's, it's not one thing. It's probably they're looking at 500 things and you need to tick a certain number of those boxes to, you know, to get as many of those signals as you can out there for the bot to find is, is really the goal. Got it. 
And yeah, for some of these, like quick example. So niche site project is my, my blog, right? I don't have an address or phone number listed, but I have many of the other things. So like you said, you kind of need to tick certain uh, a certain number of them maybe and be mostly on the, the right side of, of this judgment. But yeah, for, for like my blog where I don't necessarily want to put a specific address, like what do you recommend? Should I, should I put like the business address that I, that I use, even though I don't, I don't want to receive mail there or a lawsuit or whatever. That's what I would do. If you have a registered agent, which most people do, I would put, right. that's what I do is I put my registered agent's address on there just so there is an address. Cause it is true. Like that's where the business is registered. Sure. Um, and, and that's how I handle. I would say also in your situation though, how your site's old, like you've been around. I think there's also an age factor to it where, you know, you got a site that's, I, I don't know how old your site is, but you've been around a long time. I imagine it's got some age to it. Um, that's going to be a factor. The one other thing is link, uh, links are going to be a factor in, in this as well. And where I think that factor comes in is probably citations or that your business is in directories that say like, this is a real thing and it matches other things that you have on your site. You know, that this information is starting to match up to show that you're a real entity. And I'm sure even by default, once you have an older website, you have a lot of that going on. Got it. So how important are links? I I have often, uh, again, uh, normally like without testing, I've said, ah, I think most of the eat factors that like we need to care about, eh, that's probably like from links, Aside from like having a good about page and the other shit kind of organized on your site. But if you have a ton of links, you're probably all right. I don't think it's necessarily having a ton of links, you know, and because which ones, but I do think it's, it's citations. It's, it's those types of profile links, directory links that match your information up. Google's crawling it and seeing enough signals like, okay, I see this, this company is listed this way, or this site is listed this way again and again and again, and sources that it trusts. And that's going to be the, the 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 citation type links. That's where I would focus on. If you're like, well, we haven't really done any of those, I would jump on. They're cheap. They're easy. Again, that's half a day's worth of work. And in addition with all the other stuff too, to get it out there. So you can really bang all this out quickly. And it's only good for your site to do it anyway. What, I guess, what is like the, how does someone know that they have an issue with eat? Like, um, does their site drop in rankings? Is is there some precipitating event where where they will know? So, if you it's it's a fall off the cliff. It's like a, a link penalty. It's um it's not like a content penalty that's like slow death line that you see. It's a link. It looks like a link penalty or like a um a technical issue. It's it's just that straight drop. It's a it's a pretty fast drop. Am I level for a minute and then drop some more? It's like okay, I think we're okay. Let's catch our breath and then. You see it just go down again. So it, it, it's a pretty dramatic drop. Okay. And it and you don't get a warning or anything, just it looks like something oh, no. bad has happened. And there's no manual part of this either. So it is completely algorithmic, which tells me that it's not a human looking at this because they don't say, oh, you're, you're eat stuff, manual penalty, eat problems. It's just you fell off a cliff. And how long does it take to recover after you fix it up? That's a great question. So um, it's probably has to do with some sort of core update or some other time where they're going to come back and check. And it's not tomorrow. It is, it is a certain amount of time. It can, I think it can be a very long time. Um, but we've had sites that we've recovered six months. We've had sites that are a year and some change out and have not recovered. So 
you know, I don't know that anybody has a great number on when that is, but they can recover. They can come back. Um, and I, I don't know precisely what that trigger is. Maybe a certain number of core updates, um, or some sort of like, they come back and check at a certain amount of time. I don't really know on that. Oh man, that's tough. That's tough. And it's, almost impossible to test that, right? Because you have to have a, like a real live <laughs> site. to do And then at the same time, of course, you know, when you're doing this too, you find 30 other things that could be problems. And so, of course, you're going to fix them all. And then, so you can't really, because you can't tell like a business owner, like, hey, do you mind if we just change like two things and see if it comes back? And then we know. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really work that way. Man. So it seems like people should, when they start their site, they should, think about this and do everything right at the very beginning to avoid problems in the future. Um, anything to add on to that that maybe is just an obvious statement? No, really. I mean, it is an obvious statement. And and for some reason, so many people ignore it. It's, it's, it's shocking to me, actually. Just do the things that a business would do because you should be a business. You know, do those things. Yeah, they're a pain. It's a pain to go register this and it's a pain to go do that. And But really, at the end of the day, it's not that bad. And it's something that you should, you should have done anyway, if you haven't. And most people have, they just, for whatever reason, don't make themselves look real online. And I think that's problematic. And quick point, I actually have an address that I could put on the website, but I was like, ah, what the fuck? I'm not going to put a website or I'm not going to put the address on my website. Um, But yeah, I literally have an address, just like you said. I mean, it's not like my home address or anything like that. So it's not a, a risky thing for me to do. I just to that done. point, though, I think you do want to make sure you've got it in schema somewhere. Just having it like in words, because we've been playing with AI tools like, hey, is there an address on this page? Or is there an address in this content? And doing it in like different formats, USA, UK, France, that kind of thing. And AI can find it like 70% of the time. It can say like, yeah, there is there is an address on here. But that means they're missing it 30% of the time. And you got to figure like Google probably is somewhere in that neighborhood, too. So the easiest, you want to make it as easy as possible for bots to find this stuff and in the schema and the metadata and, and in schema as much as you can for these signals, I think you really want to do. Okay. Got it. All right. I'll do that after, after we finish up here. Um, <laughs> immediately just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's say someone has started a website and they're actually interested in it, but they're not an expert. They don't have the authority. They don't have a degree in it. And I'll uh, make up some example. Maybe they're into photography. And so they start a photography website, but they actually don't have the credentials and experience to qualify for EAT. What are some things that they could do to, to fit that mark? Sure. Um, two things. One is um, topical authority. So the idea is that are you the go-to website? Are you the website that people can go to to get the answer? And really what that means is topical authority. Are you answering all the questions? Are you covering all the topics? And so you don't have to be an expert. It's that your website is answering all the questions, I think, is a big part of that. So topical authority is a huge part of this. And that's something that you should focus on. And that's something you should do. And it doesn't matter if you've got one day experience or, or 20 years worth of experience. The other thing that shows, I think, a strong signal is UGC user-generated content. And the big thing is if somebody is an expert or if people like the content and they're engaging with it, they're asking questions. You know, they're, they're posing like, hey, what about this? Or I've got this situation. What do you think about this? 
because that's what they do with experts. I'm sure you get plenty of those questions all the time. I get, I get a lot of them. Um, and it's because people respect your opinion, right? They, they, they are saying, Hey, I think I would like to know what this person has to say because I think they know what they're talking about. And so while I wouldn't just turn on, um, comments willy nilly, but, um, I would make things open to comments because as people put comments, I think it, it does send a signal that, um, that you are that authority or that your website's that authority because it's the go-to place to get an answer. Okay. I'm just thinking like, could you don't do this everyone, but could you fake it and like, you know, make it look like there's more community there. Right. That, that's the bottom line. All of this is fakeable, but you know what? If you took the time to fake it, <laughs> you probably could have done it in the real way too. <laughs> right. That's, that seems what it almost always comes down to. But yeah, I do not believe that putting, fake comments on your website to satisfy any kind of signal is a good idea. Just, just in case anybody's listening. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do it's that. Not, that's, that's yeah, not it's it. not legal advice. It's just entertainment here, right? So, okay. So past results are not indicative of future performance. <laughs> yeah. All entertainment is supposed to be. Okay. So w- one thought that I've had, and I've mentioned this is like a way that people could show like expertise on the site. For example, um, I like podcasting and I like to interview experts like you. So let's say I start interviewing a bunch of uh, photographers and other people in the industry and I have, you know, their credentials are listed on the website um, as, you know, someone that I featured or interviewed or whatever, and then slowly build expertise and really topical authority based on other people's expertise and experience and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So any thoughts on that approach where you're borrowing from others? I love it. Yeah, okay. for sure. For sure. For sure. And then I've heard some people speculate too, that something else you can do, like, let's say you've got products and you've got like product reviews, maybe like <laughs> fitting in things like I did this or we did this, or we checked out that and we looked at this, those kind of terms to kind of show more of a personal experience with the product. You actually have experience with it that you've handled it and played with it. That that's just speculation. But if you're like grasping at things that <laughs> I can't do any of that, but maybe this is one thing you could do. Maybe that'd be something else to look into. What about images and video on that note? Yeah. Like in the, in the testing that I've done, a stock photo will, will definitely help index a page faster. And I think that comes down to that's a known quantity to Google. So if you're selling purple widgets and you have a purple widget stock photo, I think that actually makes it really easy for the bot to understand what that page is about and you get that page to index faster. But then after that, um, it does feel like, and it's really hard to nail this down, but um, uh, that a unique image after that seems to do pretty well, you know, in that, um, in that kind of like the next crawl or the next kind of run through like that stock photo for the indexing, but the unique um, photo for, for ranking purposes. Okay. And now we have AI image generators. So do you have any experience with those where, I mean, you could create a unique image, even though it could be a little goofed up. I've, I've played around with it a little bit and I was like, Oh, I want to see like this kind of a guitar with this kind of finish and this kind of lighting. And there were, extra knobs and a lot of extra things on the guitar that made it <laughs> clearly fingers. fake came, came with fingers <laughs> yeah it's like 11 fingers on one hand it's crazy stuff but uh google would see that as a unique image right like they're not counting fingers on the guitar i don't think 
so I haven't looked too much at that, but I have looked at um like this person isn't real. Um, you've seen that where you can create a, a an image of a fake person that's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, but I have seen that any image detectors can see all that as fake. Um, they can they immediately flag all those as fake and the free ones too. Like not even like I'm paying for an image detector. I'm just running it through just, is this a real image kind of thing? And they all ping as fake. So I haven't played with the mid journey stuff or any of those AI, but I have a feeling that it might be pretty easy to um, determine they're actually not real. Could be better now, but I know that the, um, this person is not real. Those get flagged immediately. Interesting. Okay. So maybe those don't fit the bill. Although, uh, you know, from, some perspectives I could see having AI images as, you know, something that adds value for the website. So I don't necessarily see it as an issue, but maybe it doesn't meet the eat criteria. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. All right. So we've talked mostly about things that could be pretty easily faked because, you know, you can write a really good about page, have bios that are uh, maybe you took some liberties with all the facts there, but are there any technical factors that come into play for eat where, you know, you really can't fake like page speed, right? So I'm not entirely sure how much those factor into anything anyway. Um, I probably, the test that I always like for page speed is ask, ask your Nana to, to open it up. And if she's like, nah, pretty good, <laughs> then I think you're fine. <laughs> okay. You know, if Nana will stay for the page to open, I think that's all you need to worry about. Um, <laughs> the only, the only technical stuff is, that really kind of gives people shivers is schema, you know, like, like that's always been everybody's issue. And so maybe you need somebody to help you with that. I, I don't do schema well at all. I'm not going to lie. I pay people to do it. Um, but I would just make sure that you get as much in there as possible so that you make it as easy as possible for the bot. That's all I would really focus on. All right. Are there any, whatever, like the top 20% of the schema? You mentioned the address, uh, any other well, things? Organization schema, organization schema so that you can identify what kind of entity this is. Um, on the author, on author bio pages, I would have person schema. And then on articles that they've written for you in the article schema, I would reference the, the bio page in the schema. So you've got, you know, that author link, uh, in, in the schema. And I would go to the page on my site and, uh, that I've written about them. And on that page, I've got person schema. So you're kind of linking them together. Like this real person that I'm talking about wrote this thing. And here's more information about them on my site. In the nuts and bolts of schema for people that don't know, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, actually I'll ask it as a question. That way I don't, I'm not uh, making any statements here, but I'm, I'm even worse at it than, than you are. But these are just tags in the code that provide a little more information to whatever's crawling the, the page. Is that right? That's exactly right. All the um, search engines got together and agreed that said, we will understand what this thing is if you write it in this way in the code. And so it's, it's kind of like an identifier tag. If like, say on a page, you see a dollar sign and you see $9.99, you as a human know that's that's a price. That's $9.99. A search engine doesn't necessarily know that. You know, they don't know that that, is, that could be a price. That could, that's just numbers and, and, a, and a symbol. So what you say is if you identify in the schema, this is a price, then they know, oh, okay, I know this is a price. So it's a something that 
uh, tags items so that search engines are very clear about what this information is. Are there any specific misconceptions or myths around eat? And you kind of covered some, but if you want to wrap it in a bow and say, Hey, here are the top three things that people get you know, wrong about it. Um, still the, the vast majority of people don't worry about it until it's way too late. I mean, way too late. I think that's, that's number one. A lot of people scoff, shrug their shoulders, roll it off. I, I've got a site that's doing this, this, that, or the other. Good for you. You know, good for you. Um, go for it. <laughs> you know, do, do what you want to do with your site. Uh, I think that's the biggest one. Um, people thinking that you need a doctor to write your stuff or a PhD and you, and you simply do not because Google, like I said before, Google's not going to make a value judgment as to who is actually better. That's not part of a ranking factor. I think it just really comes down to our humans writing this. Maybe there's an exception if you had a a website about open heart surgery, but I don't know how many of those are out there to be honest. And I don't know. I don't know who's monetizing that. So, you know, in that situation, sure. Get a doctor, but in just about any other website, I think, I think you're okay. Um, That might be another huge misconception. And then, you know, in the most recent guidelines, they did come out and say that trust is the most important factor, that it doesn't matter how good your experience or your expertise or your authoritativeness is if you miss the trust stuff. And I think the trust stuff comes down to being real, you know, that that's, that's where, are you a real thing, you know, and are you taking responsibility for this site and this content? And so that makes those things mission critical. And thankfully, those are, I think the easiest things to do. Those are the things that, you know, should be pretty basic and pretty easy to do. One thing you said before, I'm going to have to shut down my DIY heart surgery site now. I, I think that's probably it's not going to take off like I thought. No. <laughs> the keywords were so easy to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seemed like a high high dollar uh, market, but okay. So on the on the trust side, I, I'm curious if you think so. I. I'm just going to use my stuff as an example. So I have my website. I haven't done everything quite right. Like we've talked about. I also have a podcast where there's hundreds of episodes. And then I have a YouTube channel where there's thousands of videos. Many of these are linked um, together back and forth, not in any kind of, you know, specific way. Cause I just miss stuff occasionally, but there's a lot of, you know, trust because of the, the two, uh, you know, audio and video formats there. Do you think that comes into play? Like, does that mapping come out and it's like, wow, there's a lot of trust here. There's a, there's videos, there's comments on the videos and all that kind of stuff. I would lean towards. Yes. I mean, you've got all that content out there that is constantly saying your brand name, your personal brand, your company brand, and all that's linking together. I could, I could definitely see that, you know, and, and that's maybe where the time factor comes in. It might not be time. It's just sites that are that old or you've been around for so long. I mean, you are really, really old. <laughs> you've been around that long. You just, you just accumulate all that stuff naturally, right? right? You know, that's just, so that could be, it's not necessarily time, but just the natural stuff that happens. It indicates that, hey, you know, you're a real person. This is a real website. This is a real YouTube channel. I can see all that kind of being in play for sure. Okay. Very good. Well, and this actually cleared up a lot of misconceptions on on my side too, because like you said, I've, I've largely ignored it. And I'm like, ah, if you could fake all of this stuff, then 
you know, either just fake it or like, don't worry about it because Google probably is not doing too much. And I'm like, no one's manually reviewing your website. Like there's too many websites. It would take too much time. So all this, all the things that we've covered, it makes total sense. And it would weed out decent number of people because people are lazy and they just don't do the little things. Yeah. That's, that's what it comes. You now people like people don't grind the people that make money online. And then like our industry are the ones that decide to do something and just stick at it and really grind and get like the little details done. Right. You know, the, a mediocre idea that somebody really works hard on is going to do really, really well compared to an, an amazing idea that somebody just does the minimum on, yeah. you know, that that's, that's what it boils down to in this. So just grind on it. It's your site. You know, it's your baby. It's the thing that's making you money. I would, I would protect it as much as I can. I do as much as I can to make sure that I'm going to, you know, survive and continue this, continue this wild ride. And, and I don't think these things are that hard to do. And so that, that's why I would do them. Very good. Awesome. I think we covered um, everything with, that we wanted to. Any final thoughts on EAT before we talk about what's coming up for you? No, no, no. That, uh, I think we got it. We got it. We know. Perfect. All right. So, yeah, w- what's coming up for you? Do you have any conferences or uh, speaking engagements uh, in the next, whatever, six months or something like that? What's going on with you? Yeah, I've got Manila next month. It's uh, the 22nd and 23rd, I think, SEO movement. And then I've got uh, SEO Vibes in Budapest, I recommend. Um, that's, with, uh, that's with White Press, by the way. White Press for all your linking needs. I think I, I, think I get a little... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in all seriousness, they're a really good platform. <laughs> in all seriousness, they're a really good platform. Um, and then... Uh, oh, but by the way, though, I just had my, my own first conference that I put on. It was um, last month in Estonia and we're doing it again uh, uh, next June. So clear your calendars. Okay. Come on to cool. Estonia. I didn't know that. That was yours. Maybe I did know that. Awesome. How, how did it go? It was a wild success. It was honestly one of the best conferences I've been to. I know I'm a little biased, but it was great. It was really great. I've heard good things. <laughs> okay. So that's June next year. All right. Um, oh, oh, Sydney in March, um, James Norquay with Prosperity Media. And I, I can't, I think it's just SEO Sydney, I think is what they call it. But, um, I went last year and that was a lot of fun. That was a good conference too. Right on. Very cool. Well, you're, you're always around. So people should, uh, you know, find you at one of those conferences and say hello. Um, and as we wrap up, so we mentioned internet marketing gold before, you have a couple um, pretty popular courses in there. You, you just want to mention what they are really quick. You don't have to sell them or anything. Uh, it's totally fine. But if you want to mention them. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about this earlier. I don't really know how to sell myself very well. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm good at marketing. <laughs> um, um, uh, the two courses that people like the most are my on-page SEO course and my, um, and my white hat SEO course. Those are the two most popular ones. I think we're on like version three of the on-page course and I'm realizing the version four needs to come out soon. So we'll, we'll get working on that as well. Uh, but those are the two big courses that people like. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll link up specifically in, I was going to mention that's exactly like you guys, you don't do the course and leave it. There's iterations. You guys are on top of it with all the testing that you're doing. So you're able to update it and have 
you know, facts and tests to back up what you're changing. So highly recommended. Awesome. So we'll link up to all that stuff and where should people find you, Kyle? Um, the easiest thing is kyleroof.com. All my stuff is there. So yeah, you can easy links to everything from there. All right. Perfect. Thanks a lot, man. And we'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me.